Hello, and welcome to A Path to Redemption, the podcast. My name is Daniel Arona, and just remember the simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. Once again, I hope that you've had a great week. I hope that you've had time to spend with the Lord in prayer and spending as much time as you possibly can with Him. Again, the time is short. I know last week I kind of talked to quite a bit about different articles that I that I've found about things happening in the Middle East. Um, continuing on with that, I mean, obviously, with what Iran is doing um, in return, in terms of actually recruiting Hezbollah and Hamas to try and do coordinated attacks, which was reported in the Wall Street Journal. Um, and then on top of that, by inviting the Saudi uh, uh, king to Iran, it, all of these things are, are huge pieces being moved in the Middle East. Um, outside of that, Egypt has now, the uh, vast majority of their people are now in poverty because of the cost of, peru- of food and the cost of goods that are there. Um, there's a whole issues going on. It's almost like the Egypt is being purposely bankrupted by the other partners in the Middle East. So there's a lot going on. A lot of it pertains to scripture, whether it be in, e- in Ezekiel 38, Jeremiah 49, what, whatever the different scriptures may be, but it is, there is a lot happening over there and it's just chess pieces being moved. So I want you to just be aware of kind of what's going on. I know there's a lot of things happening here in the U S but let's keep in mind that all end time prophecy surrounds the, the Middle East. It's important important to watch Israel, watch happening, watch what's happening around Israel, and then also keep a, an idea of the, of the kings of the East. And I, I've said this, I don't know if I've said this on this podcast or not, I, I can't remember, but I truly believe that we are in transitioning from the legs of iron into the time of iron and clay with the BRICS Plus coming. Um, that's Brazil, uh, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And the plus is because there's so many other nations, particularly OPEC nations, um, nations in South America even Mexico here in our own continent that are wanting to join this group to rival NATO. And it's just going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out and what happens. We know that this is the next step in the Nebuchadnezzar statue. We know that we were, that this time was coming. I just did not expect it to happen so quickly. And I think that things are happening very, very quickly. I was talking with a guy at work today and, and uh, we were kind of joking around and, and he was like, I just don't know what's, what's wrong with, with the world right now. And, and I, he's like, you're the only one that's offering an explanation. I was like, yeah, I truly believe Jesus is coming back. And he's like, no one else can tell me what's going on. And I was like, I was like, I just think he's coming, man. Like that's where I'm at, and, and I made no bones about it. But you know, that's kind of where I'm at, and that's where I, what I'm going to continue to tell people uh, that'll listen, and hopefully that people will take that and and run with it, and come and find come to the knowledge of Him and find salvation in Him, and and I hope that continues to happen. So, but with all that being said, we are going to take a look today at Genesis three and the fall of man, and we are going to spend a couple of episodes here because there is a lot to unpack in Genesis three. So we kind of talked last week about how Genesis two is a representation of the millennial kingdom with Christ, about how. How it, God kind of sets the ground rules there for what the expectations of man are. We know that man is living there with his bride. Again, a picture of Christ living with the church during the millennial kingdom. Um, we know all these things and, and there was only one rule in the garden that you can't eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And, and that's where, where the fall happens. But this week, we're going to take a look at it from Satan's point of view, um, from the view of the serpent and why he, he was trying to deceive Eve and 
why he was trying to see the fall of mankind. But before we get to that point, um, just a couple of housekeeping items again. All of our scripture comes from the New King James Version of the Bible. If you'd like a copy, feel free to drop me a note at pathtoredemptionohio at gmail.com. Um, also, if you'd like a copy of my book, um, Grace Abounds, again, drop me a note at pathtoredemptionohio at gmail.com. I was getting some comments from some people from church this week um, saying how much they're enjoying it and how much it's really helping them grow, which is which is important. So if you want to grow, just feel free again to drop me a note at pathtoredemptionohio at gmail.com. And the last thing again is do not take my word for it. Once again, I just don't take my word for it. I want you to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman worthy of your hire. I want you focused on the things that God has for you. Okay. It's very, very important that you are, because remember, all of us have a responsibility. All of us have a work in this end time. And it's important that when Jesus comes back, that he finds us working, right? That's what's important. And also I would say, you know, I don't want you to be deceived. Not that I'm going to, but you know, everything I teach, I truly believe and I walk, but I just want you to be aware of everything that's happening and, and working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So with that, uh, let's go ahead and let's get started in, in Genesis 3. Again, we're going to take a really deep dive into this, and we're going to take our time over a couple of episodes to look at the scripture. So Genesis 3, 1 through 7 says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So here we see again, that the serpent coming in more subtly than all the other beings that were here. And and Josephus kind of gives us some additional context to the purpose behind the serpent. And, And this is what he says. He says, but while all the living creatures had one language, at that, at that time, the serpent, which then lived together with Adam and his wife, showed an envious disposition at his supposal of their living happily and in obedience to the commands of God, and imagining that when they disobeyed them, they would fall into calamities. He persuaded the woman out of a malicious intention to taste of the tree of the knowledge, telling them that in that tree was the knowledge of good and evil, which knowledge, when they should obtain... They would lead a happy life, nay, a life not inferior to that of God, right? So I think that provides some additional context here. The book of Jasher, starting in Jasher chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, And when God had blessed and commanded them, he went from them, and Adam and his wife dwelled in the garden according to the command which the Lord had commanded them. And the serpent which God had created with them in the earth came to them to incite them to transgress the command of God which he had commanded them. And the serpent enticed and persuaded the woman to eat from the tree of knowledge. And the woman hearkened to the voice of the serpent, and she transgressed the word of God and took from the tree of knowledge and good and evil and she ate and she took it she took from it and gave also to her husband and he 
eight. So we have to understand here that I think that we're we're seeing some some different aspects here, particularly from Josephus, and where he basically says that there was jealousy between the serpent and man. Man, again, as we kind of talked about last week, was created in the image of God. The serpent was not created in the image of God. You know, and even Lucifer being the son of the morning, or even the angels in their original stations, were not created in the image of God. Only mankind was created. Only mankind was given that ability to be had to be in the very image of God himself. There was an elevation to this creation of man that no other creature had. So ultimately, the goal of Lucifer, the goal of the serpent here, was to get man to do what he did. And he made Eve ultimately look inward. Given the fact that there was some envy and some jealousy here, he persuaded the woman, as Josephus says, out of a malicious intent to taste that tree of knowledge. And the whole purpose was because you got to realize that Satan's sitting here thinking, okay, if I can get the creation of God that was created into the very image of him to fall, then I've got God, right? Then I've got it, then I can win, and I can be the the premier thing here, right? So, but he ultimately made Eve look inward and look at the at her own self. And if you look at the fall of Satan and Lucifer, that was the very that was the thing that got him was that he looked inward rather than constantly looking outward to God. And I talk about this in one where we are supposed to be constantly looking to Christ. We're not supposed to look at ourselves again in our own strength and the things that we think we do well and the things where we think we're better at. Honestly, we that's where our weakness is. So we got to constantly be looking to God for all things, right? We have to look externally from our own flesh, from our own self. That's why Paul said, I found that no matter what state I'm in, therewith to be content, because he no longer looked at his own station or he looked at his own self, but rather saw himself as Jesus Christ does, which is full of love, grace, faith, and truth, right? So Satan looked inward in his fall, and Ezekiel 28, 14 through 19 kind of explains this very, very well. It says, you are the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You are on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You are perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground, I laid you before kings, that they might gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trade. Therefore, I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you, and I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. And all who knew you among the peoples are astonished at you. You have become a horror and shall be no more forever. So if you go back into Ezekiel 28, this is a prophecy about the 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 king of Tyre. And ultimately, this is really about Lucifer is who he's talking about. So he was created perfect until iniquity was found in him. What was the iniquity? He was lifted up because of his beauty. He was corrupted his wisdom for the sake of his splendor. And that basically means that he looked at himself and said, you know, look how amazing I am. 
right? And that's what iniquity is. Iniquity is that first concept of self. It's the first concept where we begin to look inward at our own flesh, at our own concept of self, and that becomes the root of iniquity. It rests in self in looking inward. Ezekiel 28 gives us insight into that root of the iniquity that Lucifer was about to plant inside of Eve. And then we see the root there, but then Isaiah 14, 12 through 15 gives us the actions. Because this is what Isaiah says. He says, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. So we see then, again, first he looked inward. First he saw his beauty. He saw his splendor, all the trading he was doing. And that ultimately led him to say, I will ascend I will exalt my throne. I will also sit in the mouth of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the the clouds. I will be like the most high. He then tried to put himself, leave his station and put himself on the same level that God was on. And that's the big thing here, right? Because we always talk about the rebellion of Lucifer, but the purpose of it was because he thought he should be just as good as God and that he should be on the same exact level. And we see that again here when when Satan comes to Eve, right? So we see how iniquity worked the rebellion in Lucifer to where he wanted to leave his station and become as God. And this is the line that Satan will use constantly. We see this in our own culture, right? This very second. It's consistent with open rebellion against God, whether it be from greed to the LGBTQ community to the trampling of the poor, because greed Greed says that that I can heap all of these things up unto me and not help other people, the trampling of the poor. Christ said that as we've done unto the least of these, so have you done unto me. And then the LGBTQ going against that which is natural and which God had laid down in Genesis chapter 2. So all of these are aspects of rebellion. And there's a whole host of other things. Anything that comes between God and us in terms of our relationship and in terms of us yielding our flesh over to him then becomes an open rebellion, right? And that's what iniquity works in us because once we see pride come in, once we see that concept of self come in, we lift ourselves up and then all of a sudden we then try to take the place of God, which is exactly how Satan comes to Eve. He wanted to get God's creation, the one that was made in his image, to rebel in the exact same manner manner that he did. Genesis 3, 1 through 5 says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You see, 
the Satan here, the, the serpent here is a picture of the Antichrist. Why? Because that is exactly what the Antichrist is going to bring. Is that, yes, you're going to have to worship him, but he's going to completely believe that we can be gods here on this earth, which we cannot be. People are believing this lie. People are believing that that we can be God or that we can be do all these things, right? But we can't. Only God is God. And I want to be clear about that because only God is the one that can send his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for all of our sins, that we may be led to him by his Holy Spirit to ultimately come into a relationship with him. That is what God does here. But Satan in the in the garden here looks and sees Eve and says, you can be as God. No, you cannot be as God. But you see this happening all the time. People constantly say, well, if I'm God, I can be whatever I want. Well, I'm sorry. That's not the fact of the matter. You are not God. But there are three main things that Satan uses here. He uses the law and the commandment of God. We know that there was no sin outside the law. And I've said this before, that since there wasn't a law, that it was wrong for Adam to kick the tiger he didn't kick if he kicked the tiger then he there he would not have sinned because there was no law against it right the only law in the garden was that he would not eat of that of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so understanding that satan uses the law and it's sin that uses the law right and that's what causes us to fall the transgression of the law paul goes into detail about this in romans 6 through 8 so um i encourage you to do a study in that. The second thing he does is he counters God's law with reassurance. You're not going to die like like God said you're going to do. It's not going to be that bad. But And then the third thing he does is that he says how much better off you will be if you do what he's telling you to do, right? And we have all fallen for that trap. He says that what God's saying is not true. When you sin, it won't be as bad, but that you'll be better off without God, right? And we've all fallen into that. Why? Because we have all fallen short in, of the glory of God. We've all sinned in this same nature. We have all been deceived by the same way that Eve was deceived in the garden. We've all been there, right? And that's why I don't I don't get get harped up in terms of of what what Eve did and in, in all this the fall here, right? And we're going to talk about what it was with Adam here later. But at the end of the day, you know, for Eve, she was deceived and she was told a lie, basically. But that lie is the same one that, that we get told every single day. We can be as God. And frankly, when we step out of the will of God and we don't follow the leading of his spirit, we try to make ourselves as God here, right? And the other thing is that is that this led all of this led Eve to look inward, right? To look at her own station relative to God. And Genesis 3, 6 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her and he ate, right? So Josephus gives this additional context when he says, When they should obtain, they would lead a happy life, nay, a life not inferior to that of God, by which means he overcame the woman and persuaded her to despise the command of God, right? So all of a sudden, the serpent caused Eve to look inward at herself, realize that she was below God, realize that she thought from him that if she had taken a bite of the fruit, that ultimately she would be elevated to the same level that God was. So once that happened, the root 
of, of iniquity was planted in Eve. Once she despised the command of God because she thought that she was going to be as God, that root of iniquity was planted. This had to happen before she ever took the fruit. Just as Lucifer looked inward and led to his actions of rebellion, Eve was deceived to look inward and iniquity was put in her. Once it was in her heart, all that followed was the action. The same exact way that once it was in Lucifer's heart, all that followed was the action. So the purpose here is to understand what was put into Eve. It was iniquity. And we will talk about Adam and what actually happened with him next week. But we have got to understand the heart. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 27, he says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So we see then here that it was Eve who had iniquity placed into her by the serpent, again, following the same pattern of love of the fall that Lucifer did, all because of the jealousy of man being created in the very image of God and trying to wreck the very creation that God had done. And why was that? Because Lucifer was was cast down. As we see in Ezekiel 28, he was punished and he was thrown down before kings. He was thrown down before everything and and ultimately it led to where he is now. So if he could do this with creation, if he could do this with the with Adam and Eve, then ultimately he could ruin God's creation the very image of him, right? Because again, Lucifer was not created in the image of God. Michael wasn't created in the image of God. Gabriel wasn't created in the in the image of God. None of the angels were. No other being that has walked on this earth has or swam in this earth or has flown in the skies has ever been created in the very image of God, let alone had the breath of life breathed into them the way that man has. That is our elevation. That is why we are the are the the children of promise, right? Because ultimately Jesus Christ being the first firstborn of many brethren that we on we all of us who believe in him may become joint heirs with him right and rule and reign with him but if satan could stop the creation and stop or i'm sorry stop the the man who is made in his image from moving forward with god and to to eliminate the station and the walk that they had with him then ultimately he could overcome God. That was the thought process here. It was the condition of the heart that led to that action, placed and changed by the serpent here. And I want you to think about it in your own life too. What in your hearts is is, is keeping you from God right now? What is between you and God? In what situation are you looking inward rather than looking outward to a God that loves you, to a Christ that died for you, to a Holy Spirit that will lead and guide you? Because there are plenty of times where we don't, we've not learned to be content in our own lives and in the things that God wants for us. But until we can find that space, then we can walk in rest, then we can walk in love with people, but it's a work of the cross that ultimately does that. And I've detailed all of that throughout this series of this podcast. If you get a chance, go back and listen to those. But it's important for us to understand that when iniquity was put in here, because ultimately it's iniquity that's going to lead up to Genesis chapter 6. It's iniquity that is going to lead up to the to the flood of Noah. It's iniquity that's going to lead us to tell us how it was during the days of Noah, which is the whole 
point of this. It's iniquity that's going to even going to show us how it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's iniquity now that is what is is driving the future return of Christ, which I truly believe is imminent. And when I say the return of Christ, I'm talking about the rapture for the church because Christ is going to return. He's going to put his foot on Mount Moriah. It's going to split in two, and it is going to be a phenomenal scene because he's going to come back with thousands of his saints, you know, riding on a white horse. And I cannot wait for that, right? But I'm talking about the rapture because ultimately there will be a time, as Paul says in Second Thessalonians, where you know where the the hibiter, the the one that the one that holds everything back is going to be pulled away, and that is the church. So it's important for us to see that and important for us to understand that. But I wanted you to give you a little bit of perspective here because ultimately it is Satan that is trying to again take down. Adam and Eve take down mankind through the iniquity that was placed in him, the self-indulgence that was placed in him, the self-indulgence that was placed in, in Adam and Eve. And as we can as we go through this, we're going to see a pivot here because once the fall happens, there's going to be a prophecy that's made. It's the first prophecy in the Bible, and it's and it's imperative for us to understand that because it sets the tone for the rest of scripture. And we'll get into that when we start talking about the punishment of, of Adam and Eve, the curses that were laid out to Adam, Eve, and the serpent, and all the things that that were going to happen from there. But I want you to understand here that iniquity was placed in, in her, and ultimately it is going to take root and grow inside of man. But the other thing I would say is that in is that Paul told Timothy that man was or that Eve was deceived, but Adam was not. Adam sinned willfully, and we're going to talk about that next week, and then we'll also get into the curses next week as well, because it's important for us to take our time here, because this starts everything. This starts it all. This starts every bit of sin, every bit of transgression, every bit of everything, and it's the whole reason that we had to have a Savior in Jesus Christ come down to this earth. Amen. Look, I know it was another quick one this week, but I want to take my time and make sure that we are diving into this. I don't want to overfeed on this just because of the fact that some of these topics I want to get really, really detailed in, and I don't want to try and cram too much into a single podcast episode. Um, So again, today we looked at it from the serpent's perspective and Eve's. Next week, we're going to look at, at, frankly, the the fall. We're going to look at it from Adam's perspective. We're going to look at what actually happened when they bit into the fruit as well. Um, and then we're going to get into a little bit more in the curses. So, um, but again, make sure that you still watch and pray, make sure that you are spending time with the Lord. I cannot stress that enough. I really can't. Now is not the time to back away from your relationship. Now is the time to stay as close as you possibly can to him and to grasp onto him, draw near to him. So he will draw near to you, read your Bible, pray, be with Christians, talk about the Lord, you know, do Bible studies together, whatever it may be, whether it's inside the church or outside the church, but make sure you are spending time with the Lord every single day. Amen. So look, I hope you got something out of it. Um, but until next time, just remember the simple truth. The Father loves you. Jesus loves you. And the Holy Spirit loves you. God bless. God bless.